Well, as we get started in our lesson today, I want to start us off with some prayer and uh, just focusing on God's Word. So uh, will you join me in prayer? God, we thank you so much just for that noise. God, I thank you so much just for our kids, first of all, that they are a part of our community, that they are a part of our life here at Sunrise, and we just thank you for each one of their lives. We thank you that they are a blessing to us, and, and we just cherish them so much, and we just pray that you continue to pour into each and every one of our kids here at uh, uh, Sunrise Community Church, God, as, as you just uh, grow them up and strengthen them and increase their knowledge and help them f- figure out the, that they are saved because of your work, Jesus, not because they choose it, but because you chose them ahead of time. And so we, we thank you so much for loving us, for choosing to love us, for caring for us. And God, we just pray that you help us to all understand how we can be more like you in every single way. Thank you for this message. Help us to hear it from you and help me to speak your words and not my own. It's your name we pray. Amen. Well, a few years ago, I got to go to a cool conference uh, where we went and we were hearing all about how we share our faith with other people. And it was all about how to do it in, uh, it's called like organic ways and in these natural ways where we weren't just being weird as Christians, which sometimes we have a, 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 a bad habit of being uh, at times. And so uh, it was about just sharing our faith in some natural ways. And one of the speakers got up and uh, he uh, was giving a great uh, lesson. And one of the things that he said that I really liked was he said, Jesus's last words should be our first priority. And so, of course, the question then is, is what were Jesus' last words? Well, we can find those in Matthew 28, verses 18 and 20. And this is what it says. It says, All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. His point was that this is what the Christian life should be busy doing. This was Jesus' last words before he ascended to heaven, after he was raised from the dead. This was his final kind of command, his, his uh, thing that he said for his disciples to be doing. Go out, make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And so it's, it was, he had a whole slew of ways that we can do this. And, and like um, all conferences that you go to, no matter what they are, they were like, you know, you walk out of there and you're like, yeah, that was amazing. I'm going to do all of that. And then uh, I came home and I was so inspired that I uh, made a sign with that, those words on there. In fact, you could see it in the room over there. I was just, I was making it and I was all excited about, you know, this being our call. But as I was making the sign and as I was thinking about this, I was asking the the question, how do we make disciples? How do we actually do that? And, you know, if you were to look at popular trends in the Christian movement, you would assume, well, we would want to take our church and we'd want to double in size and then double again and then double again. And it's all about getting as many people into the church as possible. And, And when they get here, we'd have tons of programs, tons of programs for them to all do. Everyone would be busy, constantly busy doing stuff. And, and we would be getting lots of information in our heads. And, and we would be, you know, Pastor Russ would write several, several books on how to do these commands. And it would all be very knowledge-focused. It would all be a lot of information-focused. Download, just understand this. And now I want to make sure that I'm clear. I'm not saying that knowledge is bad whatsoever. 
No. Knowledge is important. It says teaching them to obey, right? Teaching them. That means passing information on. And so it is important for us to understand, to dive into our our word, to understand what God is saying to us. That is a very important aspect to discipleship, but I think that there is another one that coincides with it and is equally as important. See, as we read the scriptures, as we read the gospels, we see that Jesus is constantly pouring into his disciples. He's constantly sharing wisdom and knowledge with them. But something that is not as evident, something that you kind of have to understand what's going on a little bit more, is where Jesus is at in the whole situation. He's not just up here on stage and then disappears. In fact, he's side by side constantly with his disciples. He's standing with them. He's caring for them. He's sharing his life with them. He's in community with them. He knows what they're struggling with. He cares for them, not just because he's God, but also because he's right there next to them. And I think that's something that we should understand, that we have to hold the Great Commission up against also the other things that he said, the other new commandment he gave us from John chapter 13, uh, verses 34 and 35, where he says, just as Jesus speaking, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I love you, as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So, so we have to hold these two things, and they, they work together. We are to teach everyone that we, about who Jesus is. We are supposed to share the gospel, share the good news, disciple, make disciples. Not just have them pray a prayer, but walk alongside of them. And so discipleship is learning and community going together, walking together. So we are called to make disciples, and the first lesson being, this is what a loving community looks like. This is how we love each other. This is how we care for each other, that we actually want to know each other's lives, that we want to care for one another enough to, to stand with you about with your troubles, to, to know in your joys and, your, and all of those things, to be right next to you in those things, to have an authentic community. And an authentic community also means that we have a transforming community. Those two things go hand in hand. When we're authentic, we transform. When we have an authentic relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit transforms our lives. That big word there is sanctification, that we are sanctified by Jesus, which just simply means that we are starting to understand how to live into the new reality that we are a new creation. That we are new. The old us is dead and gone. That's what Paul talks about in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 17. He says, uh, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. See, it also extends into community. When we have community with one another, we have authentic community with one another, that community will naturally transform its members. Those things go hand in hand. But the big question is, how does that look? Like, that's all fine and dandy, Greg, but like, again, the whole sign thing, right? Like, how? What does that actually look like? 
Well, luckily, Paul is going to speak to that. Uh, Paul is writing a letter to a church in Rome of two people groups who, uh, for the most part, have been at odds with each other for most of their lives. They have not wanted to coincide in their life. They have just been in conflict constantly. And so uh, he is... He is going to talk to these people groups and tell them, how do you coexist? How do you care for one another? And so he's going to write to them, and that's where we're going to be in Romans chapter 12, and we're going to be in verses 3 through 16, and that is our primary text today. And so I invite you to open up your apps or your Bibles uh, to that section and uh, read with me as we kind of go through this, and then we'll piece it out together. This is what it says. It says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us have one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, mem uh, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophecy, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Neither, uh, ne never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fever serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of lower position. Do not be conceited. So let's break this down. Let's start in verse 3. It says again, for by grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So Paul starts this whole uh, part of how, how, how are these groups going to get together? How is this a group of believers going to make this thing work? And the first thing that he highlights is that the beginning of an authentic, transformative community is that each of its members practices humility. That each of the members of that community come with a humble heart. See, I think this is so important when it comes to the, the, our faith. See, as Christians, our lives, like from the very beginning, what makes us Christians is we are freely admitting that we are not good enough. That we cannot do life on our own. In fact, this was truly my prayer of salvation to God. Was, uh, I was in a place where I was just, I was hit enough walls in my life that I, I realized I could not do life on my own. I had tried about everything I could possibly try to make my life go the way that I wanted to, it to go, to gain some kind of control. And each time I was met with another wall, another wall, another wall. And so I was in a place where I was just like, God, I, I can't do this. 
And so if you want to take this garbage of a life that I have put together and you want to do something with it, then I give it up to you. And at that moment, he's taken that life and he's done amazing things with it, not because of me, but because of him. And that's what he does with each and every one of us. As Christians, we are saying we are not enough. We cannot do it. And so we believe only in Jesus. Our boast is not in ourselves and how good we are. It is in Christ alone, which is what Paul talks about in Galatians 6, 14. He says, it's only in the cross will I boast, not in anything that I do, but in Jesus. And he's the one that enables us to do those things. But see, the problem is, is sometimes we get so used to the blessings that we forget where they come from. See, God works in our life, and we, we get that blessing, and we're excited. And then sometimes if we're not focused, if we're not continuing to stay focused on Jesus and, and give him all the credit and focus on how he's growing us, sometimes we just get used to the blessed life that he's given us, and we start to let him fade away and start to forget, and we start to think, well, I'm good. I'm doing good things. I'm serving in some great ways. I know some things. And I got to tell you, those are some dangerous spots to be. In fact, I think that is the primary reason that you will hear that the greatest criticism of the church is it's full of hypocrites. And it's full of people who, who say they're better than everybody else. When in all actuality, what we're fully admitting as Christians is that we're not good. That we can't do this on our own. And that we need Jesus' help. Part of being an authentic community is understanding that, our, that we are equal in our need for Jesus. That's the only way that we will discover equality, is when we understand that your need for Jesus and my need for Jesus and your need for Jesus and, and everyone's need for Jesus is exactly the same. We all need Jesus. It's not like, you need Jesus. No, we need Jesus, right? And so that's where we find equality, at the base of the cross, where we scream out and we say, we all need him equally. And so your desire for him, your need for him is no greater or no less than my own. That is equality. Paul continues. He says, be humble. And he continues and he says, uh, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many form uh, one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I love this part, because have you ever stubbed your pinky toe? Uh, you stub your pinky toe, and, and it's such a frustrating thing. You, you stub it, and there, you, there's just something in my brain that wants to just tell it, you don't matter, right? You, you add nothing to my life. You, you don't really balance me that much. I'm not an athletic dude. You know, I'm not out there, so I don't even know if you need it. I'm sure there's a foot doctor out there that would tell you, oh, it's super important. But I don't think that it adds any value to my life. I think I could do a lot of my life without the pinky toe, right? And so uh, there's a part of me that when I, I stub it, I just want to be like, you don't matter, all right? Just stop hurting. I got the things to do. But that's not what happens. You stub your pinky toe, your whole body reacts, right? You're just like, ah, and you're hopping on one foot, or, or you do that, that step where you're doing this, right? <laughs> and taking some deep breaths. You're maybe saying some things that shouldn't be repeated in church. Uh, and you maybe some tears are welling up. Your whole body reacts, right? See, the whole body knows when one part is hurting, no matter how insignificant we might think that it is. And in that same way, it is the same exact way in the body of Christ. You might come in today and you might say, it doesn't even matter that I'm here. No one cares that I showed up. 
And I want to speak against that right now. You matter. Even when the smallest part of the body is hurting, we all feel it. We all react. And we want to care for that. And so I want you to understand that you matter to a community. You matter. Each one of you is a testimony of God's amazing work. Each one of you has a blessing to share with someone else here. Someone here has a, a word to share with someone. Someone here has just an encouragement, an encouragement, a friendly smile, a listening ear. Each one of us has something to give to one of the others. Maybe you're also volunteering in one of our ministries, and that's how you're giving. Each one of us has a part of Sunrise, and the body is worse off when you're not here. Sometimes I think we get it twisted. We think, well, Russ is not here. Martine's not here. Ah, ah that sucks. That's not good. What I want you to understand is when you're not here, it's the exact same way. Because we don't come just to hear one person. We don't hear, we love Russ, don't get me wrong. We're sad when he's not here, but we're equally as sad when you're not here. We miss a blessing when you're not here. And I'm not trying to guilt you into saying like, oh, you gotta come. I'm just simply trying to help you understand to prioritize life in a way to understand that you bring a blessing to us. And we're grateful when you're here. That's why we take time each and every morning to greet one another, to see the blessing of God around us, to recognize that. You are a blessing. And so part of being an authentic community is understanding that you matter in that community. You matter to God and to us. Paul continues in, saying, in this saying, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophecy, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I want to recognize before we get into the actual parts there, who's doing it? It says in the beginning that that it is God. We all have different uh, gifts according to the grace given to each of us. God is the one doing the work through us. It's not try harder and do these gifts. God enables us to do his good work. He's the one empowering us to do these gifts, to have these gifts, to share these things with one another. And so it's not by your own strength that you're pouring yourself out. I want you to understand it is by God empowering you to do these things, to share these gifts with one another. And what's amazing is as you pour yourself out, you hear from Mike, as you, as you, as you pour yourself out in these different ways, you receive such a massive more blessing than you could ever have given. Whether you give your time or your talent or your treasures, each one of those things, whatever way that you give, God will outgive you, I guarantee it. And this is not a get-rich scheme. That's none of that. I'm not, pro I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying that whatever you give, God will bless you in the ways that you need his blessing. Some of us, some people have used that out of context to say, if you give money, then you'll get more money. No, you'll get more grace from God as he teaches you not to give to stupid people. Right? So he will give you what you need. So... <laughs> I wasn't supposed to say that, but apparently someone needed to hear it. I want to say whatever that gifting is that you're supposed to share with other people, 
to do it. Some of you are called to be teachers, and you're supposed to come and share what wisdom and knowledge God has given you, and you start to share that. Some of you have a gift of encouragement. And what I mean by that is when you, speak, you see people struggle and you want to encourage people, you want to speak into their struggle and encourage them to keep going in their faith, to not give up. And you have that ability to speak God's truth into their lives. Some of you are called to be generous givers. And, and to speak to that for a moment, all of us are called to give. All of us are called to, to tithe. That is part of our worship. But a generous giver is someone who sees a need and identifies how to help them in that situation. Not everyone needs a check. But maybe that family who's struggling, maybe they don't need uh, so you to pay off their bills, but they need a new job, and you're going to help be that connection point. A generous giver is someone who hears a need and wants to get involved. And yes, they give maybe a bit more, but that's because God places that on their heart. We're all called to give, but a generous giver finds ways to give above and beyond. Some of you here are called to step up into leadership roles. And you've been fighting against that. You've been saying, no, not me. I don't want to be that person. I don't know if I'm ready for that place in my life. And God would say, it is time for you to step up and be diligent in your call. And when you are called to be diligent in that action, not to just slough off, but to understand you have an important work to do here. And so Paul is saying, be diligent in that. Get involved. That's your next step in your growth, to be transformed. Some of you here are called to stand in the hurt. Some of you are like me. I'm a fixer. I, I, I hear a problem, and I naturally am just thinking about a million ways that I want to try to find a way, to, a solution to your problem. And it is so hard for me not to just spit the, my advice. This is what you need to do. This is going wrong. Do this. All right? This is the problem. Right? My, my wife says constantly, you're too blunt. All right? You come in too hard, Greg. You got you to just calm it back. Not everyone needs your advice. And I'm like, but they, they're wrong, right? And so over the years, God has softened my, my, my words and my heart a bit. And we need to be willing to stand in the hurt. Because the honest thing is no one needs me. I'm not their savior. Jesus is. And so the best thing I can do for someone is just be there with them and point them to Jesus. And say, he's the one that has you. He's the one that loves you. He's the one that cares for you. And the greatest thing that we can do for one another is point each other to Jesus. That's what we do as a community. An authentic community is a place where God's gifts are shared freely within the community. Paul continues, verses 9 through 16, says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fever serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud be willing to associate with people of lower position. Do not be conceited. Paul is saying, you know, in order to be a Christian, to live out this Christian life, our love must be as authentic as Christ's love for us. Again, let's look at our, the, the commandment, the new commandment Jesus gave us in John 13. Uh, it says, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciple, 
if you love one another. Love one another as Christ loves you. Now, that's hard. Can I just tell you, that's hard. Because we are still messed up people. We are still stained and tainted in a way by our sin and our past. We still have things that we're working through, and that, that sanctification process is not a once-and-done thing. It's a lifetime thing that is completed when Christ comes back or when we go to heaven. So all through that process, we still have problems. We still mess up. We still sin. We are going to disappoint you at times. Christians are going to disappoint one another. We're going to say we're to this or to that or all these different things. We're messed up sometimes. We're not perfect. Even in, the, in Sunrise Community Church, we're, we're messed up. We, we mess things up sometimes. Let's just be honest. We don't get it all right. But we want to show that same grace that God shares with you. Because let's be honest, you mess up just as much with God, right? And yet he still loves you. He cares for you. He says, let's try again. Today's a new day. Let's do it. And that's what we want to do with each and every one of us. When we mess up, we want to hold each other accountable. We want to raise people up to, to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. But also, we show each other grace. We love one another authentically. We care for one another. The Christian life is not meant to be done alone. God calls us to authentic, transformative community. We, were, we, are, we can be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above ourselves, where we can push one another towards Christ. That is the, my deepest desire for each and one of you, is that you would understand that Jesus died on the cross for you, and three days later, he rose again, giving us a new way to live. We no longer have to live in fear of death, but now we, we actually see that as a victory, that we get to now live in heaven with God. And now, and because of that, we are now living empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a brand new way. That is the Christian life. And my, my hope is that as we come together, that each and every one of you will learn how to contextualize that to your own life. Because each one of us is going to do that differently. Each one of us is called to do that in a different way, according to where he has you in your workplace, maybe in your family, or in, your, in your, just your community. Where are you at? If you're going to live that call out differently. And that's an amazing and beautiful thing. And so my hope is that we would be a community that is empowering one another to live out Christ wherever he has us. We want to join you in your joy, stand with you in your hard times, pray with you, help you in your need, and do life with you. Our goal is to bless one another, rejoice with one another, mourn with one another, and by the grace of God, live in harmony with one another. We do not separate based upon class or race, but we stand united because God is equally at work in all of us. An authentic, transformative community is one that is constantly pushing one another towards Christ. There is no greater love than to hold one another towards God. Towards God. You know, that's actually how Paul starts this letter of, uh, or this chapter of uh, 12. Chapter 12, he says, uh, verses 1 and 2, says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The way that we worship God is by offering our lives as living sacrifices to him, constantly loving one another in community. We are growing because of God's work within us and loving one another because of that. We, not, we do not conform to the patterns of this world by giving in to divisive thinking of today, but we instead push one another towards Jesus as he transforms our lives and renews our thinking to stand with one another so that we can experience his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If you are not connected to a church, I want to invite you to make that a priority in your life. If you are not seriously connected to a church where they know you and they care about you and, and you would call that your home, to make that step because you matter, because they matter. And it is one of the greatest things that you can do for your family, for your own life as well, for your spiritual growth. And I, I, I would love for that to be Sunrise Community Church, but some people are from different areas. Maybe you're visiting for the first time and you're just trying to figure this out. Uh, whatever that is, God works in a lot of different churches, but whatever that church is, or you're joining us online, get connected to a church body that knows you, that cares for you. Again, I, I find Sunrise to be that place for me in massively wonderful ways. I'd say that the church is the second most powerful thing that has ever happened to me. First, it's Jesus' work on the cross for my life, and the second is, is his church working in my life as well. It's a beautiful thing. Sunrise Community Church has been a massive blessing to my and my family's life. So many of you have been the ones who have stood with me as I mourned, as I, as I, as I needed help, as I needed instruction, as I needed a lot of grace, um, as I've, I've needed things. You guys have been the ones who have cared for me. And my hope is that each and every one of you experiences that in the same way that I have gotten to, to understand the love and joy it is to live life together. So become a mission partner here at Sunrise. If you, are call, if you already call Sunrise home, my question is, how are you allowing your life to be open to those people around you here today? How are you, like Cody said, not just making it a Sunday thing, but a whole life thing? You're being connected and in community with one another outside of just this Sunday mornings and sharing life with one another, allowing your life to be known, allowing you to be known by that community. It is such a beautiful thing when, when something happens to you and you can truly care for that person because they know you. They know your name. They know your struggles, and they're praying for you. If you are here a part of Sunrise already, too, the other question is, how are you sharing your gifts? What gifts has God given you to share? Sometimes we get stuck, and we're like, I don't know. I just feel like I'm not growing like I used to grow. What's happening and the truth is, is God has given you something and he wants you to pour it out before he's going to pour you in something new. And so you're called to find ways to share those gifts that God has in you, to share that, and he will start to use that to transform your life. So if you're feeling stuck, maybe it's time to look at where are you serving? How do you need to take that to the next level? When we open our lives to God, the church becomes the physical representation of Jesus Christ. There's nothing more powerful in all the earth 
than when the church lives as only the church can. Nothing else screams louder to the earth that he is risen than when people of God live and love one another in true community. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you have built this place for us to come together and worship your name. God, I thank you that this church doesn't exist because any one person stood up and said, I'm going to do something amazing, but simply because you have already orchestrated it through your amazing Holy Spirit to allow sunrise to be birthed 20-something years ago. So this group of people to come together and love one another, that we wouldn't allow language to be a barrier anymore, but we would love each other beyond language, where we could, we could speak your name truly as one community. God, I pray that you would help each one of us to take that next step towards you through our community, through our commitments to our church, that we would make that a priority in our life. And God, I just pray that you would help us to step into that calling. God, I thank you that this is all done by grace, that it's you empowering us to do this, that we don't have to do this on our own. And so, God, I pray right now that you would help us to think about what is those next steps and then to be empowered by you to actually make those next steps. Thanks for loving us. Thank you for the church. Thank you for this group of believers. It's your name we pray. Amen.